Curiosity. Kill the rat. Curiosity. Kill the rat. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our next episode. Not our next episode, <laughs> this current episode. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore of Curiosity Killed the Rat. This is going so well. We're a My second name in. is Matt. I am not a scientist, but I'm a science enthusiast. I love talking everything science, living science, breathing science, oh, swimming in science, <laughs> anything I can do with science, I will. That No, that sounds That's... a little bit, well... There was a line, and you know what? I decided to take a step over it, but that's okay. That's okay. I am joined, as Back. always, by my lovely, lovely, esteemed co-host, Kate. Not just digitally, however, but in person. Sorry, listeners, for the squeal, but... We are both... We are in the same fucking room. There are the four walls room. around the two of us. This is such a rare thing. I can see you. Thing. I can see your face. And I can there's see not yours. a Zoom call in between it. There's no lag. There's no weird, distorted <gasps> things. You know what this means? We can sing songs and <sighs> not have lag. Oh, boy. Now the pressure's on. There's there's nothing to, you know, kind of give us an excuse for a poor performance. We've, we've oh, lost our... I mean... lost our safety net. Damn. <laughs> But before we jump into anything else and before you introduce yourself, Kate, I should start mm-hmm. by saying we are both speaking from lands traditionally owned by the Noongar people. And I would just mm. like to acknowledge them past, present and emerging. Now, Kate, who the hell are you? Who the hell? God, that's a... Who the hell am I? Matt, <laughs> I don't know. I haven't figured it out who yet. Who am I? <laughs> <laughs> two, who are you? <laughs> I'm 24601. No, I, I'm Kate. I'm a neuroscientist. I am... The scientist, the scientist um, of the world. No, of this show, of the show. Uh, of the world. Yeah, and we're not joined by any guests today, so the pressure is on for me to use my brain and share. You need to perform. I need to perform. Um, I can perform. I'm Surely. a performer. Yeah. I was a born performer. You know why I was a born performer? It's why because I am the first born, born child of our family. So does that mean I'm not a born performer as no, the second born child? because, okay, so the reason I'm going on about first and second born children is because that's what we're going to be talking about today. I'm going to call it sibling science sibling because I am science. a slut for alliteration. <laughs> and so sibling science. But the thing about sibling science, you may have heard the mm. the old, you know, rumor. I say rumor because, it okay, I'm going I'm to come straight out the gate and just be like, it's bullshit. It's all fucking bullshit. Well, surely not all of it, right? No. Surely some of it has some yes. level. Yes, okay. So, so give some examples of what you mean exactly well, is bullshit. What is sibling I science mean, okay. for you? I mean, okay, I'm going to break it down in a lot more detail and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start... I'm going to start from the very beginning. A very it's good place to start. A very good place to start. And so we're going to start with Alfred Adler. Adler? No, Alder. That's good. Starting with the letter A, I expect yeah, all scientists but double a to as be well. in alphabetical order. And if you're not consistent with this, you're sacked from the show. Yeah. A.A. Alfred Alder. Um, he was a... A.A. A, a. Yes, yeah. you're right. <laughs> <laughs> he was... And he was Austrian, which also starts with oh A. Oh, my God. So I love this. Anyway, oh, he was an Austrian psychologist. Um, and in 1908, so we're talking, you know, over 100 years ago, mm-hmm. um, he he had all these ideas about... Dangerous. You know... Burn him. We're going to call it birth order theory. Ooh. And it's the, the theory about, you know... So look, what you need to know about old mate Alfred is he was mates with, you know, some, some he was mates with Freud ah, and he I've was mates with name. Jung. I've uh, heard that name as well. They are both psychoanalysts from the, you know, around that time, about mm-hmm. over a hundred years ago, um, who had some good ideas that formed some very fundamental 
you know, ideas that we still believe to be true in psychology today. And they also yeah. had some ideas that we know to be less true yes. uh, in psychology today. And yes, yeah, so pretty much all the, all of these guys, um, Alfred, Freud, and Jung, Mm-hmm. They all agreed that early life experiences can shape an adult's personality, right? Right, yes. Which, Formative you know, years, all makes that jazz. sense. Good old Alda, he, he took it a little bit further. And what mm-hmm. he believed is that a child's position in the family yes. can shape their development because essentially each kid experiences a different psychological environment. Yes. Right? So according to Alda, firstborn, firstborn children... Start, so essentially he believed there are four different, well, there are four different roles that you mm. can take on in a family. You can be a firstborn child, you can be a middleborn child, you mm-hmm. can be a youngest child, yeah. or you can be an only child. Yes. He just, I don't know about twins. He didn't touch on. Twins aren't real. They're a myth. They're a myth. They're like unicorns. <laughs> so he believed, according to Alba. Well, I mean, even twins, there's technically an older and a younger. True. So they probably, there's probably true. that rivalry amongst twins. Like, hey, I'm five seconds older than but you. But I don't, yeah. I don't think they would grow up in a different psychological environment because there's only like five minutes. There was five minutes where you're the first one and you man, get all the attention. I don't know, man. It really shaped Zach and Cody. Um, <laughs> I don't even know who was the oldest. Zach was the older oh, one. Of course and he, and was. he was like, you know, the more kind of uh, her. Yeah. Well, okay. So Alda believed that firstborn children... Because they start as a spoiled only child, right? <laughs> only to be dethroned, dethroned, dethroned upon the arrival of the younger sibling. Yeah. So this led or leads to to firstborn siblings being overbearing, neurotic, generally quite conservative, power oriented, and predisposed towards leadership. I'm choosing not to comment on this. <laughs> So tell me, Kate, did you feel dethroned? <laughs> I, I honestly don't remember feeling dethroned. Because you were three when I came around, so I don't know how many memories you mm, had at that time. I wasn't quite three. You weren't quite, you weren't even quite three. See, I, was, I, don't have I was memory. a couple months away from being three. I don't even have memories of being four. Um, know, so. so I don't recall, but maybe because I am quite neurotic. <laughs> I'm not conservative though. I wouldn't describe myself and no. my rainbow hair sitting here as conservative. Um, oh, and the other one was because the firstborn can then feel responsible for the younger siblings and take on a kind of parenting mm. role. They're often more willing to become parents according to Elder, which look That's, at me and you, I've always said yes. that I never want to be a parent. And you're, I've already thought of my first kid's name. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, whoops, sorry, Elder, spanner in the works. We've got a sample size of one here. You're wrong. And then um, we've pointed out one thing that's wrong there for your whole theory. Your whole theory is garbage, which Bro, it is, but trash. we'll get to that. Um, so that's, that's the firstborn kid, according to Elder. Then you've got mm. your middleborn kid who, funnily enough, there wasn't a whole lot that I could find on the middle child. But it's the, funny because they're often neglected. Well, I was going to say, but the one big thing was that they often felt overlooked. Uh, he was like, so Alda came along and he's like, so middleborn kids often feel overlooked. Moving on. <laughs> Nothing more to say on the matter. <laughs> Moving right Oh, along. Surely you did that on purpose. Oh, look, who knows? Um, but one of the key ideas that also keeps me wondering is that they're, they're more likely to be rebellious and to become rebels. And mm. often that their pace of development is higher because they try to keep up slash surpass the older siblings. So they tend to be quite ambitious. Mm. Um, and this also sort of applies to the younger born. Anyone that has older siblings tends to be more, this is according to this theory, yeah. um, tends to be more ambitious. And then you've got your youngest mm. who are often babied by the parents. And so they're the most spoiled because they get lots of care and attention, not just from the parents, but also from the older siblings. Mm. So they often 
feel less experienced and independent, but also very motivated to surpass their older siblings. So it's this weird thing where they tend to be more social, but also irresponsible. I don't know. Do you feel more social than me, but irresponsible? I feel antisocial and overly responsible. Yeah, I would argue that you're more responsible than me. <laughs> I mean, I agree that frank. I'm a bit of a soft cunt, but um, I wouldn't, I would, if I compared our two, like, I'm definitely less ambitious than you. Yeah, no, you know, I I'm agree with that. I'm definitely a lot less ambitious. I ne- Well, maybe that's just because I never sought to over supersede you because you just realized young, I was so good that there, you had no hope, mate. Well, honestly, right? <laughs> <laughs> It was, a, it was a, no, 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 no. But here's the thing. It was a case of you're always quite an overachiever oh, from yeah. quite a young age. Nah. Me? And Who? Then, what? Nah. For me, it was kind of like, ah, uh, you know, no matter what I try, it's never going to be quite as good as that. Mm. So I, I learned a very valuable lesson from a young age. No, and that that's was true. how to gracefully take an L and be comfortable Which with it. Which I still haven't learned, to be honest. I'm teaching myself. <laughs> I'm trying. But I, you know, at the ripe old age of 26, I don't have it figured out. <laughs> You'll and, get there. You'll get there. Well, I mean, in my my master's thesis, uh, uh, what's it called? Acknowledgement section. I referred mm. to you as the older, what did I call you? You called me your, your. Um, my older brother, yeah older brother that was born three years after me yeah because in my mind you you do fit more of that older sibling wise your boy got wisdom role compared to me anyway clearly clearly we're single-handedly proving alder wrong and none of the science matters um i suppose it depends what part of the life he's you know talking about though because both of us have gone through a lot of you know changes and development you know if you look at us from when we're like i don't know when I was 12 and you were 15, the dynamic was very different compared to me now being 23 and you being 26. Well, yes. And that's an interesting point. And I'll get to, I'll get to that part of it in a bit, but first Mm. let's not forget about the only children um, because they tend to be quite self-centered. So we'd better not forget about them. They might get upset. (laughs) They might throw a tantrum. They might throw a tantrum. Daddy, I want another point. Why why are we alienating all of the only children in our listener base? I'm I'm (laughs) sorry, sorry, guys. Look, I'm going to say mean things about all of the potential uh, family roles here. So, you know, don't take any of it personally. I'm already crying. You know what I just realized that I've done? I kept calling him Alda. His name's not Alda. I just wrote the A- L. I wrote the L and the D the wrong way around. It's Adler. It's Cancel. Adler, like Irene Adler. How like, dare you misrepresent this man's legacy? I know. All of his wisdom. Still AA. Still starts <laughs> with an A. Anyway, Adler. Adler. Correction. His name is Adler. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. Moving right along from my mishap. Yes. Back to only children. They, yeah. Apparently they often, they're more mature because most of the, they, they don't grow up with other kids playing with other siblings, right? How does that make someone more mature? Well, because they, they socialize with their parents. They, they they socialize with adults. You know, instead of, (laughs) well, instead of being competitive with siblings, they're more competitive with the father, apparently is what Adler thought, not the mother. I don't know why, but it's, yeah. Very male centric. But, you know, competitive with the parents, I'm going to say, but he did say father. Um, But expects pampering and protection from everyone around. So the only mm. child, I guess, is used to being coddled and all of the attention, which is a lot of the logic around why the firstborn is the way that they are, is mm. that they got all of this pampering and attention and then it was rudely stripped away by I mean, the emergence of the younger. Surely there's some validity to that. I've definitely heard you complaining in our lives about how I got off with everything easy. I got away with everything and you got away with nothing. Yeah. Well, interestingly enough, a lot of what I read seemed to think the opposite, that the youngest child got away with less 
which which is not what happened in our family. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, all of this to say it's all bullshit because Adler never actually did any science to test this theory, despite what? teaching it and then using it as a therapeutic tool. So he for just kind of came up with it. Was he like, was yeah, like, no, this but- makes sense. I'm just gonna roll with it. I'm gonna roll with it. And you well, know, what I'm what where in the where in the sibling hierarchy was he? Oh, that's a good question. I didn't look that up. I wonder was he an only child? Was he because mm. what, what what of those four descriptions most fits him? Because he'd probably mm. happily subs- which is the least negative, because that's probably mm. the one he gave. to I himself. don't know. Well, I know <laughs> one of the guys that I'm going to talk about later was a middle child. But uh, that's all right. You can skip him. Uh, <laughs> no, I can't because oh, boy, does he piss me off anyway. Interesting. But yes, he mm. never, he never did any science, but it's still, you know, it's, it's kind of almost like astrology in a way people lap this shit up because it mm. tells them something about themselves or at least makes them think about themselves. And it also, you know, if you have negative qualities, you can just blame your birth order instead mm. of taking personal responsibility for being a dick. So people, you know, it became, this theory became a very popular theory. So down the line, some psychologists were like, all right, we'd better, we'd better do some research, right? To mm. see whether this holds up. And then, so the thing is, personality is a kind of a hard thing to test, right? Mm. But psychologists have come up with this thing. It's called the big five. And it's a way of measuring or kind of just like quantifying personality. So it, it's it's called the big five because it breaks personality as a, as a whole into five kind of categories, right? And it's, it's often called like the ocean thing because the letters are O-C-E-A-N. So you've got openness to experience yeah. is one uh, which kind of makes sense, right? You've got conscientiousness. Okay. Which is like, you know, how diligent you are or careful you are with your work or whatever. Mm-hmm. You've got extroversion. Yeah. So how extroverted versus introverted mm-hmm. you are. You've got agreeableness. So how how likely you are to argue with someone, I guess, kick up a fuss. Uh, and then you've got neuroticism, which is also known as emotional stability. And those are your kind of big five things. And so early studies looked at this big five and looked at birth order. And so the thing is, some of the early studies found some results. And they found that oldest children tend to be more conscientious and more neurotic, which kind of fits in with what Adler was saying. Mm-hmm. And that the youngest children tend to be more open to experiences. And this is an appealing thing because it seems plausible, right? It makes mm. sense. It fits in with the logic that Adler had. It fits in with this lovely pop psych mentality that the world already has at this point because Adler's yeah. been spewing his nonsense without backing it up. So some of these studies, I'll, I'll get to why in a sec, are a bit are a bit dicey yeah. in their methodology. And I'll explain. Yeah, I'll get to why in a sec. But some of the fun ones, there was a 1968 study. I wrote this one down because it's another one that we, I don't know, actually, I'll, I'll get your opinion on this. But, yeah, okay, so okay. a 1968 study reaction. found that firstborns are less likely to participate in dangerous sports because of fear of physical injury. Well, well huh, okay. That's interesting. Flashback again, to our childhood. Well, that's the thing. Childhood versus mm, now. True, right? actually. Because childhood, definitely, you childhood. were the risk taker, I was a pussy. Mm. Now, you know, I'm an instructor at an adventure camp. That's true, and I'm a little bit more... 
indoors. Anxious. Anxious. I work outdoors. No, that's true. That's true. No, 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 no. I I was more thinking like your studies and that kind of thing, what you do with more of your time. But yes, no. But I still do outdoor. Yes, yes. But But I'm scared of heights and I'm not about to, you know, go bouldering without a harness on like you do. But, you know, thinking back to us. It's a crash mat. It's fine. Sure. (laughs) But thinking back to us as kids, I'm like, you know, I remember you being scared to play soccer because of the potential oh, dangerous yeah. injury and I jumped on that opportunity to play soccer and it I was fucking because loved in, it. I, I played soccer in the under sixes and I got a ball kicked in my stomach one time and it hurt so I stopped playing soccer. Exactly. And that. that's that's the incident I was thinking of that yeah. I was like, well we kind of And then I played hockey for a bit, but then I got hit in the thumb with a stick one time mm. and then I moved on to not playing on like the thick grass and the ball would move too quick so I got too exactly scared. whereas I so played I all of these sports again. and I loved them mm. and so that's where I'm thinking you know you were less likely to participate in dangerous sports because of fear of physical injury whereas I was like I don't care about physical injury yeah. I like kicking a ball at people's face mm. I mean at the goal yeah um <laughs> <laughs> so that was an interesting one um and then there was also one that was found mm. Many astronauts, like most of the astronauts are firstborn children, not later born mm. children. And so that kind of... I always wanted to be an astronaut. But the thing about that one is that people sort of... So this is where it comes into some... Like a lot mm. of these studies were really poorly designed and didn't take into account a lot of things. And in terms of like the astronauts, in order to become... This is, you know, sweeping generalization, but something to still consider is that just pure probability, right? If you come from a smaller family... Mm. you are generally smaller families are more well-off socioeconomically. Right. And if you come from a smaller family, your chance of being a firstborn is higher. So if you come from a family where there are two children, there's a 50% chance that you're a firstborn. If you come from a family with four children, there's a 25% chance that you're a firstborn. But if it's a family of one children, then there's a 100% 100%, chance you're a firstborn. So when you look at stuff like, you know, astronauts being more likely to be firstborn children it's actually that astronauts are actually more likely to come from smaller families because it's astronauts not actually... are more likely to come from well-off families because mm. astron it because it, education and yeah etc so you know that's that's just you know and that that doesn't just apply to the astronaut study that applies to a lot of this there are thinking. a lot of factors that weren't considered in these studies, mm. a lot of extra variables that now, weren't taken into account. The biggest one, which kind of comes down to that whole, you know, age thing that you were saying that as we've grown up, things have mm. changed. Mm. A lot of these studies, in, actually, like all of these studies, these early studies that came out and were like, yes, birth order has an effect on the big five. Look at this. Isn't this amazing? First of all, they only compared within the family. So they will they were looking, they were doing stats being like, okay, the firstborn from this mm. family is whatever compared to the younger child within that same family. And not that makes sense, between right? families. Because like that's, you know, when you're doing this sibling science, you're comparing siblings to each other. But if you want to come out and say that you can tell someone's personality from their birth order and you can Mm. be like oh that's a second born child they will have these personality traits yeah that needs to be applicable no matter which family they come from right if you're trying to argue for a position of you know a role of birth order but even more so than the whole within family issue is that the way they measured this is they essentially asked one of the siblings 
mm. what their thoughts on their own personality and their siblings' personality. They didn't ask other siblings as well. No, but so first of all, <laughs> self perception is unreliable, especially with the confirmation bias of the fact that Adler's theories had been out in the ether for a while, and yeah. people already believed this shit. So confirmation bias, you're gonna be like, oh yeah, I think as the I'm gonna come it's in like as the older child. Asking leading questions, you know. Yeah, as I'm gonna come in as the older child and be like, yeah, I think you know. I am a more natural born leader, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, I think my little brother's a bit of a, bit of a, you know, <laughs> wild one. Um, you know, the, and so that's an issue. Yeah. And then the other thing is like, so stuff like conscientiousness, right? And being a responsible person. So say you ask the oldest sibling. So someone's come along and asked me at age 15, mm. what I think about me at age 15 versus you at age 12. Yeah. Who's going to be more conscientious? I'm going to be like, well, me. But mm. is that because I'm the older sibling or is it just because I'm older? Or is it because you're 15 and I'm 12? Exactly. And, and people just get more conscientious is... as they get older. <laughs> yeah. Right? So like, what if we then went along and looked at me when I was 15 compared to you when you were 15? That yeah. would be a more... that would, But that's not what these studies did. Because you'd have to wait three years and that's effort. Exactly. And so what happened is in 1983, this big study came out, Ernst and Angst, which I just love <laughs> that those are the two authors' names. Um, they analyzed hundreds of studies on birth order and they found that once you compare all of these studies and you compare across families mm -hmm. so that you don't get that whole oldest person bias and um, any of the differences disappear. There is no statistical significant differences in big mm -hmm. five personality traits mm -hmm. anymore. So firstborns and laterborns performed no differently in personality tests and you cannot pick someone's personality based on their position in the family or vice versa. So you can't pick mm. someone's position in the family based on their personality. You just can't. Right. Statistically, you know, sure, sometimes some people it's going to make sense. And in some families you're going to be like, yeah, that makes sense. And then in other families you're going to be like, mm. no, it's actually the opposite. And so it evens out when you compare between families instead of within families. Yeah. Right? The only time there were any significant effects is when family, mem family members described each other's personalities like when you when you just asked someone one member mm. of the family to give an account of that whole family that's not reliable so that happened in 1983 yeah so you'd be like okay cool that was ages ago we figured this out we've moved on so that's study confirming right? that it was bullshit happened yeah. in 1983 so you you'd think that'd be the end of it but no no, enter Frank Soloway. This is the guy that I would say he's a middleborn. Ah, classic. So in child. 1996, he writes a book that goes on to be a bestseller called Born to Re Born to Rebel. Not Born to Rebel. That doesn't make sense. Born to Rebel. Born to Rebel. <laughs> Whatever. He's an idiot. Um, <laughs> I mean, he won. Don't color He's actually quite yet. a prestigious psychologist, and that's what concerns me. Anyway, he wrote this book where he essentially re-examined some of the data used by Ernst and Angst and claimed, once again, that birth order is a factor in personality. So according to this book that came out a good, you know, however many years after we'd already mm. kind of published a study, like a um, meta-analysis being like, nah, fam. He's like, but actually, yes, fam. <laughs> Writes this book where he's like, firstborns, well, I mean, they're physically superior to their younger siblings, so they're more likely to show dominant behavior, right, and be less agreeable, whereas later born Hold on, are... physically superior? What does that mean? Well, because they're older, so they're stronger. And right. They're, you know, so they're going to be more dominant 
And so that's going to then fuel their personality because they've got the, I don't know, he was trying to make it biological without... Without making it biological. Yeah. Without giving us the studies to back it up. But claim the thing about his book is that mm. he kind of claims that there's science to back it up, but then other other books and other papers have come out since cr- heavily, heavily criticizing this I book. I mean, that's and just being still like, such a generalized statement anyway, because like, of course the older person's going to be more dominant, but what does that even mean, right? Which we have a tendency to like, you know. Well, that's going to make them less we, agreeable. According to this, according to his interpretation of the big five and whatever, it's yeah, see that's the thing. What, what conclusions he's taken from that, you know, I don't necessarily mm, exactly. Agree with, and then the, he he thinks that the later the later born children are therefore searching for other ways to assert themselves and therefore tend to rely on social support and become more sociable and more extroverted. And, and so once again, he's trying to use this big five personality traits and be like, no, mm. birth order can still affect that. I. I, you know, Mm. and the problem is, is that there was this one study, yes, that came out and was like, no, when you compare the hundreds of studies that exist and you, you meta-analysis, you know, you analyze them all together, the results disappear, but that's still one study compared to the hundreds of studies that individually found effects. And the, like the, the reason for this is that up until about 2011 ish, scientists there was this thing in science where if you find no significant result, you do not publish your paper, Mm. right? Because there's no significant result. So the only papers being published were ones that found an effect. Mm -hmm. All of the studies that found no effect didn't actually end up getting published. Wait, that whole, no, because no science has changed since then. Right. We've kind of realized no result is still a result. Right. We kind of have more of an understanding of that now. And you know, that's why we now have studies that show this is bullshit. But Mm. at the time you look at the, the pure weight of the published evidence and it really does seem like there are more studies suggesting that there's an effect than the fact that there's not. And we're going to ignore that. Anyway, oh, and the other thing that Salloway said was to do with emotional stability mm. is that the firstborns were, you know, more anxious and quicker to anger, and then the later borns were more depressive, more vulnerable, self-conscious, and impulsive. I mean, those seem both count. I feel like we both got aspects of both of them. I mean, yeah, this is the thing, and he kind of made all these claims, and oh, and so he first he he was like, okay, look at all these studies that have found an effect, but then he also mm. he did this really weird thing where he supported his framework by analyzing the social attitudes and birth order positions of historical figures. So for example, did you know that Joseph Stalin and uh, Mussolini were firstborns, whereas Charles Darwin, Karl Marx and uh, Gandhi were later born children. And so he went and he found all these like prominent famous people and were like, okay, well they were a firstborn and they were a later born. Therefore we can extrapolate their personality traits to the entire population. And it's obviously they only have these traits to do with the personality. And uh, it just, it's just all a little bit dicey. The biggest problem was, was this whole scientists not publishing what are called null results. But then there was, yeah, this kind of like massive shift around 2010, 2011 in the scientific mindset around, okay, maybe we should actually be publishing negative results because people are just trying to, they're just, you know, we're just doing the same study over and over again, banging our head against a brick wall. This is dumb. So then... In 2015, 2015 was a big year for sibling science because there were two big studies that came out. The first one assessed the birth order for about 20,000 people 
in the US, Germany, and the UK. Mm-hmm. And they found that birth order did not alter any of the five big five personality traits. Right. Then there was another study that looked at 370,000 high school students in America. So this is this was sample size was bigger than any of the previous yeah. studies from the 100 years combined. Right. So you take all of the studies in the past 100 years that have been like, oh yeah, there is a thing. Mm-hmm. You combine that sample size. This, this was bigger than that. Mm-hmm. And it found absolutely no influence of birth order on the big five. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's kind of very telling that, you know, yes. there were a lot of methodological, methodological, methodological Me- issues with the methods of the, of the earlier <laughs> studies. That's the one, um, you know, in terms of asking one sibling, you know, all the stuff I went over earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these later studies in 2015, they've pretty much solidified like, no, it's, it's bullshit, yeah. um, more or less. And, you know, because we've also become more rigorous in understanding how to control things, learning how to analyze things better. You mm-hmm. know, it's all bullshit. But I say it's all bullshit. But this, there is one thing. Oh, okay. There is, on, there is on. one thing. That Give us found. that spicy nugget of truth hiding in the haystack of... So this was not a brand shite. new finding, finding in the 2015 studies. This is something that earlier studies had said as well. But, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, what earlier, earlier studies were dodgy, we can throw them out. Mm-hmm. Um, both of these big 2015 studies found that older siblings are more intelligent. Cool. Oh, I wanted you to be more offended by that. Um, <laughs> That's all right. I know how to take an L. But... <laughs> the thing is, they claimed that they found that older siblings were more intelligent. Mm. What they actually found is that older siblings perform better in IQ tests. Oh, well, I mean, you're, you're not telling me you're using... If you're telling me that you're going to use IQ tests as a legitimate metric, then I'm losing respect for you as an academic. Um, And also they found that we're talking like one or two IQ points higher. <laughs> so... Yes, there are some issues with IQ as a concept. It's it's more mm. measuring learning ability than it is some, you know, intelligence is such a broad term. There are so many different types exactly. of intelligence. Um, I mean, and, you know, even if it were or weren't true, you know, sure, you can take that. You're going into your PhD this year. I'm just kind of <laughs> chilling. I know. I'm, I'm um, all right with that. You, you can take the intelligence points. I'm, I'm happy with that. Especially because the one of the guys that... Um, that public, like one of the authors of the the 370,000 person um, 2015 study, this is a direct quote for him, that the typical intelligent bonus from birth order is so small that at an individual level, it'll never make a difference in your life. So, so it's negligible. But it's a thing. It, it, was a still, it was still a significant difference. Interesting. So it's interesting to speculate as to why this is a thing, right? Well, sure. because, is, it, is it just because they're older and they've been alive longer? So because, you know... Well, no, a fifteen-year-old is going to be more intelligent than a twelve-year-old. Is it that again? No, no, because this is this is what that problem disappears when you analyze across families. Because right. you're looking at a firstborn who's fifteen-year-old against 15 a years later old, born who's and a fifteen-year-old against a later born who's like a seventeen-year-old, right? Yeah, and you're, right. you know, yeah, okay, yeah. And the thing about IQ, I mean, yes, it's it's got issues, but it does scale for age. Have you ever taken an IQ test? We, I'm pretty sure we'd have to confirm with mum, but I'm pretty sure when we were kids, we both did IQ tests. Interesting. But I don't think we were ever told our results. Interesting. Um, that kept from us? But I was once oh, two no. points higher than you. Um, <laughs> At least. Or, or up to, so 
Yeah. Well, you were likely to be one to two points higher than me. It'll be interesting to see if this set of data goes in the face of that. Mm, well, true. Surely plot twist. We're quirky. We're not like other families. <laughs> like, And there have been some other studies that have found that firstborns, they com- complete education with a higher degree. Hello. Me going into my PhD, that's working for us, you know, and opt for more Mm -hmm. traditionally prestigious careers. Yep, you're going scientist versus outdoor ed educator, like traditionally prestigious. Traditionally prestigious. Um, and some of the speculation by these scientists as to why this is the case with older siblings is possibly due to the you know the undivided attention given in that early life can promote cognitive abilities perhaps Mm. the interesting thing some people for a little while suspected that it could be biologically based so due to the physical conditions during pregnancy right but there was a study in 2007 that was very clever a norwegian study Mm -hmm. that pretty much conclusively showed that it's not biological right so they they took 240,000 norwegian men and they found that the firstborns had about 2.3 IQ points over the next in line. And those, they had about 1.1 IQ points above the third born children. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's, you know, similar to what the other studies found, Yeah, but they found that it's not biological because this difference existed in all of those who were raised as eldest children, even if they were second born. So what I mean by that is if the firstborn child died at birth or died Ah. really young, so biologically they were second born, like their mother had been pregnant before, grown another human in their womb, Mm. you know. So biologically you could be the second born, but if you were raised as the eldest child, you that difference in IQ still existed. So I wonder how that would factor in for cases of families with adopted children or combinations of adopted children and non-adopted children. Yeah. Like foster I, kids. Yeah. Where, where that all comes into it. I'm not sure. I don't know if this study in particular looked, there's something I'll talk about later that did look at um, growing up in different households and stuff. But yeah, mm. this one essentially found that if you were raised as an older sibling, even if you weren't biologically the quote unquote firstborn, mm. you had the IQ to match your firstborn peers mm. so it's not you know in the whole nature versus nurture this is 100 nurture yeah okay um so it's it's possibly to do with division of parental resources like you know if, if your parents are paying attention to you and only you for some reason that means you can do better an iq test who knows why I wonder but, what would happen if you had two siblings one born before the other and then for whatever reason, parents got separated or one of the kids had to be given away, but those two kids mm. were raised in two separate families. See, Would they both be raised as like the older child? This is then? where you you touch on a very fundamental issue with all of this yeah. is that it's very focused on your traditional nuclear, nuclear family, family that yeah. grows up together, that doesn't get divorced, that doesn't have foster children. Families are more have... complicated than that. Fuck, they're often more complicated <laughs> than that. So all of this can be chucked in the bin. Um, <laughs> but... If you ignore that and you look at your traditional sense, yeah, it it seems to be mm. something to do with the way that you grow up. It's, yeah. So if you're looking at so not a strictly nuclear family, you know, white picket fence, you've got, you know, everyone's together. You've got an older kid. You've got a younger kid. The way that that nurturing happens, there are some trends that seem to have some validity to them, but nowhere near to the extent that these initial um theories well yeah the only one the only one Mm. is that intelligence none of the other personality things Mm. stand up at all there's no significance statistical significance to anything except 
intelligent, well, and except performance on an IQ test. And right. that's only by that one to three kind of point. And, you know, it's margin. an IQ test. <laughs> and IQ has, IQ definitely, me- IQ tests definitely measure something, but they don't measure intelligence necessarily because intelligence is so multifaceted. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, and then, yeah, this mm. clever Norwegian study proved that it's not biological. All of this to say there was in fact one biologically driven birth order effect that exists. Not that didn't come up in any of these studies, but I want to talk about it because this, mm. this blew my mind. This is fucking mm-hmm. batshit wild. And this okay. isn't necessarily a personality thing. Mm. So, you know, personality, no, nah, it's all rubbish. Yeah. This is real. There is one biologically driven birth order effect that has been replicated so many times that I can't believe I hadn't heard of it before. So we don't know, I'll get into it a bit, but we don't know the exact details biologically yet. Um, but the, it is agreed between scientists generally at the moment as it stands that this is definitely a thing. Mm-hmm. Brace yourself. So it's called the okay. fraternal birth order effect because yeah. it it's only to do with males. Okay. And so this is, I just, okay. Okay. The more older brothers a male has, yeah. The more likely he is to be gay. I've heard this. Actually. Really? I've heard this and I was I was I was gonna bring it up in a sec. But, mm-hmm. So is that actually it's been real? Pre- it's fucking real. There well, you go. as once again, as with a caveat that we have in every show, it's real as far as we understand so far. But yeah. I'll explain kind of some of the evidence that we have for it. But essentially, yeah, it's been replicated more than any other scientific effect to do with sexual orientation. Like it's study after study after study finds this Mm. effect. And essentially we find that with each older brother, it increases the odds of being gay by about 33%. Huh. That's a a significant. Yeah. That's significant. And about, they think that about one in seven gay men owe their sexual orientation to this effect. Um, But there's no effect for females. um, Or if you've got older sisters, that doesn't make a difference. Right. And this is why we think it's, it's likely to be biological because yeah, first of all, there's no effect if Mm. you've got um, sisters, but then also this is where it's, if you were raised in different households, Mm. it still happens. Oh, because that's, that's how you prove that it's biological Mm -hmm. and not. And also it only happens if the brothers are biological. So if you have an adopted older brother, Mm. it doesn't contribute to this effect. Um, or if your family's separated, like, you know, you've got four brothers and they were all raised in four different households, this effect still stands. Mm. Do you know if it's, um, does it, does it count for half brothers as well? So what if like, imagine a scenario where a dad has like, you know, seven different women over his life and Mm -hmm. gives a child to each of them and each of them is a boy. Does that mean that that seventh child is also going to be more likely to be gay or is it the common? It's to do with the mother. It's to do with the mother. And I'll explain. So I'll explain the biological theory and the studies that, you know, one study in particular Mm. that's kind of putting the puzzle pieces into place a little bit more specifically. So Mm. the theory goes that the mum essentially gradually develops an immune reaction to a substance involved in male fetus development. So, okay. Because males, so males are XY, yes. right? Chromosomes, females, XX chromosomes. Yes. So a mother is going to have XX chromosomes. Yes. Right? Or a birthing parent, not necessarily a mother, but you know. Yes. Mother is going to have XS, XX chromosomes. Say they're growing a male in their womb. Mm. That, that male that is growing has a Y chromosome. Yes. That Y chromosome is going to code for specific proteins that the mother has not had in her body before. Right. 
And so what happens is they think that the mother's body recognizes these Y-linked proteins as foreign and develops antibodies against them. Right. Yeah. So the more, you know, the more sons that the mother has, Mm. the more exposure to this Y-linked protein, the more antibodies that Mm. the mother has. So essentially... Homosexuality, I can say words, homosexuality, Mm. gayness in males could be caused, at least in part, when these antibodies target these male-specific proteins in a part of the brain linked to sexuality in a developing male fetus. That's so interesting. Yeah, so this was kind of the theory for a while. We were like, well, I say we. Scientists were like, okay, we possibly there's some immune response for the mother going on here that makes sense, you know. Mm. But then in 2017, there was a study that has actually kind of like come out and come out in support of this. Mm. And so what this 2017 study did is they collected blood from 142 women mm-hmm. and screened them for antibodies to a particular protein encoded yeah. by the Y chromosome. So this protein, I mean, this isn't important, but for those of you that care, it's called... NLGN4Y. Of course. Spicy name. Um, but essentially it's a protein that is encoded by the Y chromosome and it's thought to play a role in how brain cells connect to each other, essentially. Yeah. And so at some point it could moderate attraction. We don't really understand how or why. Mm. But, but, ugh, so cool. <laughs> this study found that mothers of gay sons with older brothers had the highest levels of antibodies against this protein. Followed by mothers of gay sons with no brothers, followed by mothers of straight sons, and the ones that had the least of these antibodies were the women that had no sons. That seems like a pretty strong correlation Mm, to me. mm. So there's like, you know, this is all very preliminary. We can't call, say that, like, yes, this causes this. However, mm. evidence seems and you know to be how how like... this protein exactly links to sexual orientation. We don't know. Obviously, mm. it's not going to explain every gay man, and it doesn't start to explain gay women. Doesn't yeah. explain the whole range of you know sexuality is a massive spectrum. It's yeah. fluid. You know, there's there are so many nuances here, like that. You know, we don't know yet, but it seems pretty conclusive that yeah there's definitely a there is definitely there. something and it's it's biological it's to do with fucking a right fucking a wild shit hey i god damn. yeah so this is and this was the first actual evidence of a maternal immune response yeah. to a protein that's important in male fetal development and it correlated with um gayness holy fucking shit yeah there you go yeah so the moral of the story is personality is almost definitely not linked to birth order. Mm-hmm. However, there appears to be a nurture in the nature versus nurture effect on performance on an IQ test mm-hmm. across sibling birth. Um, but if you're, yeah, the the fraternal birth order does seem to have an effect on sexuality and that is a males, biological a, driven that is the nature thing so Holy that's yeah shit. yeah so yeah that that is the sibling science for you um the or moral of the story of. is <laughs> not so much science as yes. opposed to some blokes back in the 80s being like 
Eh, I'm a exactly. Child. And I like I wanted to talk about it, not just because, you know, it's fun to banter about sibling shit with my sibling. Yes. Um, and it felt like a good topic to do when we're both in person. Yes. But because I think it's really important to kind of occasionally do these debunking things. Because like when I was looking up this stuff and when I was researching it, there's still so much mm. out there, like not the actual studies, but, you know, quote unquote science communication, you know, news pieces, pop psych, pop science kind about. of pieces saying that birth order is a thing and does right. affect your personality. And you've got good old Frank Soloway writing a book mm. years after it had already kind of been disproven being like, nah, fam, still a thing. And you've got people doing radio interviews being like, well, some people will say it's not a thing. And it's because they're just applying their own family to it. But you've got to remember that when you, and it's all just, and it's like, no, no hold on, hold on. <laughs> I know. So I just wanted to, you know, I think it's important to also not just talk about the science that real that's real, but to talk about the science that is not real, but we've done a debunking believe. episode since hypnosis. No, season one. Well, hypnosis wasn't a debunking. It was a, Oh yeah, no, fuck me. Hypnosis so, was a thing. Uh, I need mm. to go back and re-listen to our first you need season. To... I've forgotten so much of the shit. <laughs> yeah, and that's why it's important to relearn and re-talk about these things because even if stuff is talked about in the past, people forget. People forget exactly. So then it can get brought up again and re-enter the cultural mindset. And if it's existed in the zeitgeist for so long, people people can be like, oh yeah, I think I've kind of heard of that. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah I'll believe it. And that's the thing, the, the birth order thing, like it's very compelling. Yeah. But the science doesn't support it. And at the end mm. of the day, I think that's important to put out there. Um, yeah. Unless you're gay and you have five older brothers, then the science does in fact support mm. that as to possibly being a contributing factor to your homosexuality. Like you've got five older brothers and you're not sure and, you know. And But that's the other thing is that some people are like, you know, with that one, they're yeah. like, oh, it's because they grew up with older brothers. So they were always looking at their older brothers and that's why they're into men. It's like, well, actually, no. No, that's, um, no. <laughs> I don't know. That's something that I read. Some right. people were interpreting it that way. So that's right. why, you know, science communication. I love it. That's why I'm here. Yeah. But anyway, that's, I think, I think that's, I mean, I have lots more to say, but I'm not going mm. to, I'm going to, I'm going to rope myself in and um, say we, we won't should. drag this one out as long as we did the last one. <laughs> no, we should, we should do a normal length episode this time. Yeah. And shuffle on, shuffle on. To the listener question. To the listener question. What do we have this fortnight? So, <clears throat> we have a listener question from Nigel. Nigel. Yes. G'day, Nigel. G'day, Nigel. So. Nigel asks, do we have dormant cannabinoid receptors in the brain that don't do anything if someone never partakes in cannabis use? Or do they grow after exposure, bracket, whether that be medicinal or recreational, close bracket, to the molecule? I know nothing about whether or not cannabinoid receptors are already in the brain or whether they become active. Like, Tell me mm. about can I, I I know I know fuck all. Okay. I mean you've, we've probably talked about it on the show before, but again, but again, I forgot. All it's, of it, our I, listeners have listened to every episode. Which if you're a listener and you haven't if, listened to every episode, I am taking that personally. <laughs> Go back right now and do your homework, you little shit. <laughs> but that's the thing. If, if even if we have talked about it, it's the kind of thing I've only heard once, so I haven't exactly studied up on it. So give us a crash course on drugs. Oh. Don't do them. Um, no, that's I'm not gonna. Okay. Yes, I'm just going to say don't do illegal drugs, but medicinal cannabis, well, I mean, we have listeners from all over. Recreational cannabis isn't legal in Australia, but it is legal. the use of drugs that are illegal in your In place your country of residence. Of residence. Um, but medicinal cannabis is legal in Australia. Um, and this question is asking about mm. any exposure to, well, it says the molecule. The thing about cannabis is it's not just one molecule. Like you've got 
your two main kind of molecules of interest, you've got THC and CBD. What do those stand for? Oh, fuck you. Fuck you. I didn't write it down. Legitimate- Tetrahydrocannabinoid and kn- cannabidiol. Cannabidiol. I think. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I, I THC, CBD. For, I know. Man. I want to know. I've got a question. Don't, don't, don't. Fuck don't, yeah. Don't. <laughs> Making me do my job. Rude. Um, the point is you've got lots of molecules that do things. Um, but your main one, so like THC binds to your cannabinoid receptors, which I'll, mm-hmm. I'll you know, explain in a second. Um, and CBD, interestingly, doesn't activate cannabinoid receptors, but it can change the way THC interacts with those receptors, but it binds to other things. Anyway, it's all very complicated mm-hmm. in terms of, quote unquote, the molecule. But I'm going to I'm gonna focus on the molecule being THC, right? Yeah. Because it's what binds to cannabinoid receptors, which right. is what Nigel's asked about. So... Cannabinoid receptors are, so receptors, if you, you know. Are, they receive things. They're on the cell surface. Yeah. And molecules will bind to a receptor and it's it's a lock and key kind of thing where only certain molecules will activate certain receptors. We're talking about that last week, last fortnight with the taste thing, lock and key stuff. Uh, lock and key. And I mean, with antibodies we've done, talked about in the, Lock, there's lots of locks and keys in mm. biology in general, and that's why bodies are so efficient and can do mm. so many different things is because we've got these crazy cool systems that are, yeah. So essentially cells will have receptors yeah. and that bind certain things. And so when you, let's say, take a syringe of medicinal cannabis oil, yeah, and that's going to have an effect because the THC slash CBD is going to bind to receptors in your brain and so Nigel's question was well if someone has never had cannabis before Mm. do we need to sort of like grow these receptors or Mm. are they just already kind of chilling out in the brain not doing anything until you get your first hit of THC and then all of a sudden they develop in response to that can I guess go Surely they'd already be there because taking cannabis isn't the only way to receive cannabinoids, right? Because yes. I remember us talking about yes. in a previous episode, might have been a listener question, where we were talking about how you can like, in in a moment of adrenaline, people can get this weird strength, you know, lift a car mm. off someone and stuff, and the body produces its own opioids and it produces mm-hmm. its own cannabinoids. Yes. So that that would imply to me that we already have the infrastructure mm-hmm. in place to receive it because we don't just take this chemical from an external source. Exactly. We can produce it ourselves. You hit the nail on the head. Woo. We have an I endogen- do remember something. Yes, you did listen to something <laughs> I said. God, typical younger sibling. Am I right, folks? Um, yes, but no, exactly. So we actually have an endogenous, which just means like internal, essentially, right. cannabinoid system Mm. and so which are you know these little lipid molecules that activate cannabinoid receptors and so just Mm. just like opioids that was another great example is that Mm. yes you can take external opioids you can heroin for example yeah um but the only reason heroin works is because our body already has the receptors that heroin binds to Mm. because we produce endorphins enkephalin you know we, we endogenous opioids that bind to these receptors and so then when you take the external drug it, it's like, oh, hey, there's a thing already chilling there that I can bind to. So you were right. Exercise. So anandamide is an endogenous cannabinoid that I think I mentioned before that we actually think is what causes runner's high. Mm. People tend to say that runner's high is like endorphins. It's actually not. Oh. It's not the opioids. It's the cannabinoids. It's anandamide, we think. 
caveat. So it's always it's the best of our knowledge. Um, it's the anandamide and chocolate has anandamide in it. Um, uh, so it's possibly debatable whether it's in high enough quantities to yeah. actually, but some people, some scientists think that anandamide potentially contributes to the why chocolate's so pleasurable. Um, and there are lots of, anandamide isn't the only one, but yeah, we have endogenous cannabinoids. So the receptors are already there and they're not just being dormant. They're not just chilling out waiting for they weed. Get used. They're actually doing their job. Mm. And then what cannabis does is, you know, you take in cannabis and it goes, oh, hey, I can, I can bind to this receptor. I fit here. And so it kind of hijacks the system almost. Yeah. It hijacks your naturally existing system um, and takes over and can do its thing. But like any, any drug, opioids, mm. you know, SSRIs, one of the most common paracetamol. treatment for depression. Yeah. Serotonin, paracetamol, mm. like they, they all bind sort of existing receptor systems. Right. We design drugs or find drugs, you know, the reasons to that work drugs around work, what we actually already have exactly going on. Cause otherwise the, it would just pass straight through us. Right? Exactly. Doesn't create new links in the brain. No. Right? Um, and so, yeah, I also just quickly looked into whether the amount, you know, if you're someone who partakes in cannabis use on a regular basis, does that change the number of cannabinoid receptors you have? Because sometimes, you know, if you start taking yeah. a drug regularly, your body Builds will produce more and... receptors or less receptors depending yeah, on the substance. Okay. THC exposure doesn't seem to change the reception, the expression of cannabinoid receptors. Yeah. Um, of which you've got several different types. You've got your CB1 receptor is your most abundant cannabinoid receptor in the brain and stuff but then there's also the cb2 receptor mm -hmm. which is more in the immune system than in the brain mm -hmm. um then you've got a few other receptor types throughout the body and the brain that can be activated by cannabinoids but is that why they reckon that some forms of medicinal cannabis can be used for like you know cancer treatment and stuff like that because it triggers parts of the immune system potentially i think the medicinal Medicinal cannabis and cancer, a lot of that is the anti-nausea effects oh, to like the counteract relief. the nausea that you get from chemo right. slash the pain relief. So I don't know. I haven't looked into rather than a or symptom I management. I think so, but also I I didn't look into studies right. about the different okay. uses for medicinal cannabis. That's just my understanding of it. Right. But um yeah, the point is we have a whole important, fully functioning endogenous cannabinoid system mm. that when we take in recreational or medicinal cannabis, it just, it's nifty. It's already there. It already exists. Right. The roads are already built. The car, We're just adding more cars to them. What's, like, what's, what's the receptor that alcohol attacks? Alcohol. Alcohol is a bloody complicated <laughs> one because unlike pretty much every other recreational drug, there mm. is not like an ethanol receptor. Yeah, okay. Alcohol binds to a lot of different alcohol is a bit of a slut <laughs> just gonna say alcohol is a promiscuous little bitch that binds to a lot of different things and fucks up a lot of stuff and that makes it incredibly hard to study because we can't like pin down a cannabinoid system or an opioid mm. system like there's not an ethanol system um so interesting one to ask through about and fucks shit up it does a lot but yeah. i could do another I Could, will do another whole episode. I'll do an episode on alcohol. I cool, should. Why haven't cool. I done an alcohol episode? That's, that's what isn't I that like, yeah, that's your, field. it is literally that's, that's what, what I wrote studied. your thesis on. I wrote, a, I have <laughs> written a thesis on. Yes. So yeah, alcohol doesn't have a specific receptor, but it's, it's unique in that sense. Mm. Most other it's recreational. Quirky. It's not like other recreational drugs. Not like drugs. other recreational <laughs> drugs. Exactly. It's um, quirky. It's quirky. It's cute. Um, <laughs> yes. But yeah, hopefully that answers the question. Mm. Nigel. So yeah, I think, I think. I think. 
that's us done. You think more than I do, apparently, according to the well, studies. Well, it's because I'm older. <laughs> you know, it's because I'm the firstborn. You're I... more well-traveled. You're um, worldly. I just felt threatened when I was dethroned by you, and I feel the need to prove my existence. Well, based on I that. feel the need to prove my em- I, can't, I can't even pretend. <laughs> I don't give a uh, fuck, man. We just doing us. <laughs> we just being B and B. No, what? What does that even mean? I don't know. We should stop. Sorry, listeners. I don't know how you tolerate us. Oh, <laughs> but before we go, we have a very important announcement to make. Oh, yes, we do. Yes, we do. You we, can give us money. You, if you want to. It's no, completely okay. voluntary. Yes, I want to make very clear. We make this podcast for free. I want to keep making this podcast for yes. free. This podcast will always be free because I like talking about science, but also I think it's very important that this stuff and this the debunking, but also mm-hmm. the true stuff, I want it to be out there. I don't want you to have to pay a million dollars for a university degree to get access to this information. That's right. Having said that, we fuck, it's hard work. Rent, um, we buy groceries. We both have relatively and also full-time it, like, jobs it, outside full-time of this, lifestyles, full-time if lifestyles. you will. <laughs> um, um, it's, it's a lot of time and energy and effort goes into researching this podcast, editing this podcast, yes. putting it together and putting it out there for you guys. So if you happen to be someone that's sitting at home, like, mm. you know, you've got a bit of a disposable income and you find what we make valuable. You find it good quality, you enjoy it, and you want to chuck us some money for it. You now can. We now have a Patreon. Yeah. Yeah. We have a Patreon. So you can jump on. You can go patreon.com forward slash curiosity rat. The link will also be in the description of this episode. And, you know, if you have some funds, no pressure. I want to reiterate zero pressure. Because if you are in equally a position of broke studenthood, uh, we understand. I feel you, fam. I feel you. But now the option is. But, you know, our listeners who happen to be financially well off and value what we put out there we thought we'd give you a way to you know chuck it to us um and we would be incredibly incredibly grateful so grateful if you did so that is down in the description and as always you can find us on a plethora of social social media social social media platforms you got we got a twitter we got an instagram we got a facebook you can find us at curiosity rat chuck us a cheeky like if you don't have any money that's all right you can give us a five-star review and send in your uh, listener questions if you want them answered at the Mm. end of the show curiosityrat at gmail.com that's the one curiosityrat at (laughs) gmail.com we could say that in time not a lag i promise that wasn't edited in post that was that was real that was live baby that was live no one's appreciating the magic of that as much as us but it's fine (laughs) we make this for us Let's be real. I need to feed my firstborn ego. Um, (laughs) Yes. So chuck us a like, chuck us a follow, chuck us a listener question. And if you got 50 cents to chuck us, chuck us 50 cents. If you want. If you want. Completely optional. And with that, folks, I think we're out of here. Later, skaters. Curiosity. Killed. Curiosity. Just so it doesn't look like I made up all the stats. I mean, Wait, no, you know who made up all the stats? Adler. Not Alda. Adler. Irene Adler. Sullaway. Sullaway. Fucking Frank. Sullaway. More, well, no, I don't know how many older brothers. brothers he had.